This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. President Biden, Holy Communion, and the Catholic Civil War. These are troubling times within the Catholic Church. We look around us and find a curious dilemma. Many Catholic laymen in some of the hierarchy lift high the Church's timeless traditions. At the same time, the Pope and others among the highest leaders of the Church behave as though these traditions are obstructions to their goals. Mr. James R. Bascom analyzes this curious situation in his essay, President Biden, Holy Communion, and the Catholic Civil War. On June 18th, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, USCCB, voted 168 to 55 to draft a document outlining conditions for the proper reception of Holy Communion for Catholics. The Doctrine Committee of the Bishops' Conference will write and submit it for approval at the Bishops' November gathering. Although his name was not mentioned anywhere, this vote was clearly a response to President Biden. Indeed, some form of confrontation was inevitable. The country has never had a president who makes his Catholicism such a big part of his identity. The president not only mentions his faith often, but attends Mass and receives Holy Communion. At the same time, he publicly and obstinately rejects Catholic moral teaching on procured abortion, homosexual quote-unquote marriage, and transgenderism. The bishop's vote was widely reported around the world. Most of the coverage tried to portray it as a political confrontation. The bishops, some said, were trying to quote-unquote weaponize the Eucharist to score cheap political points against President Biden and the Democrats. Such a perspective misses the point. It is not merely a confrontation between the president and some American Catholic bishops, nor is the battle exclusively about abortion or Holy Communion. The struggle goes much deeper than politics. Rather, it is the first major skirmish in a Catholic civil war that has been brewing for many years. The first shots of this battle were fired in 2004. That year, pro-abortion Catholic Senator John Kerry ran for president against pro-life George W. Bush. The scandal of a pro-abortion Catholic candidate became a significant issue during the campaign. Faithful Catholics, who make up the vast majority of the pro-life movement, were outraged. They put pressure on the bishops to clarify Catholic doctrine and not allow Carey, a public sinner, to receive Holy Communion. During the 2004 campaign, at least 15 bishops, led by then-Archbishop of St. Louis Raymond Burke, issued statements that Catholic politicians who support abortion were not welcome to receive Holy Communion in their dioceses. Even Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, then-prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, was compelled to address the issue. He issued a statement, Worthiness to receive Holy Communion, General Principles, in which he repeated the traditional teaching of the Church in Canon 915 of the Code of Canon Law. Several U.S. bishops disagreed. 
then Archbishop of Washington, Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, and Carey's own bishop, Cardinal Sean O'Malley of Boston, continued to give Holy Communion to Carey and other pro-abortion Catholics. This caused an unprecedented division among the American Episcopate. The USCCB took a neutral position, leaving the decision to deny communion to each bishop. On June 10, 2004, the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP, published Catholics Must Affirm Their Faith in Their Public Lives, which reproduced the bishop's statements reaffirming the true Catholic doctrine. The insistence of pro-abortion Catholics like John Kerry to receive Holy Communion, it said, is a secularist attack on the Catholic Church and an attempt to reconcile the irreconcilable. That November, President George W. Bush defeated John Kerry 50.7% to 48.3%. In addition, Kerry became the first Catholic presidential candidate to lose the Catholic vote. Many observers say that losing the decisive Catholic vote cost Kerry the election. He lost it largely due to his pro-abortion positions highlighted by the Holy Communion controversy. Joe Biden ran a very different campaign than John Kerry and especially John F. Kennedy. In 1960, JFK was the Catholic candidate who tried to win votes by distancing himself from the church. In 2004, John Kerry said he was Catholic and attended Mass, but otherwise gave no particular importance to his Catholicism. In 2020, Biden put his Catholic faith front and center. Both Joe Biden and Donald Trump went to great pains to persuade Catholic voters. Biden did extensive outreach to Catholics and made sure he was seen attending Mass and receiving communion on Sunday. Donald Trump touted his pro-life actions as president, his attendance at the March for Life, and made abortion a central issue to his campaign. Catholics were very visible in both the Democrat and Republican conventions. In the end, the Catholic vote was split nearly down the middle. However, practicing Catholics, as opposed to just nominal Catholics, voted overwhelmingly for Trump, as much as 60%, according to one poll. At his inauguration on January 20th, Joe Biden went out of his way to display his left-wing Catholicism. The day's ceremonies were full of prominent Catholic leftists, from former Georgetown University President Father Leo J. O'Donovan, S.J., to poet Amanda Gorman, to singer Lady Gaga. He even invoked St. Augustine, quote, a member of my church, unquote, in his call for unity. The same day, Archbishop Jose Gomez, USCCB president, issued an official statement to the new administration. He acknowledged that the bishops were looking forward to working with President Biden on issues of common agreement. He pointed out, however, that the president, quote, pledged to pursue certain policies that would advance moral evils and threaten human life and dignity, most seriously in the areas of abortion, contraception, marriage, and gender, 
of deep concern is the liberty of the church and the freedom of believers to live according to their consciences. Unquote. Progressivist bishops immediately attacked Archbishop Gomez and the letter. Cardinal Blaise Supage, Archbishop of Chicago, tweeted that the statement was ill-considered and had no precedent. Speaking at a virtual event at Georgetown University on February 2nd, Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego said that denying Holy Communion to Biden amounts to, quote, the weaponization of the Eucharist, unquote. Cardinal Burke issued a statement on the controversy. On April 8th, he wrote that politicians who, quote, publicly and obstinately, unquote, support abortion are, quote, unquote, apostates who cannot receive Holy Communion. An apostate is automatically excommunicated and may also be, quote, in heresy if they obstinately deny or doubt the truth about the intrinsic evil of abortion. Bishops have a solemn responsibility, unquote, to deny them Holy Communion. Such public sinners are the ones who are, quote, unquote, sacrilegiously using the sacrament for political purposes. On April 28th, the USCCB announced a proposal to draft a document on the proper reception of Holy Communion. Archbishop Joseph Nauman of Kansas City, Kansas, head of the USCCB Committee on Pro-Life Activities, commented that public figures who support abortion yet claim to be Catholic commit, quote, a grave moral evil. Because President Biden is Catholic, it presents a unique problem for us. How can he say he's a devout Catholic and he's doing these things that are contrary to the church's teaching? Unquote. The document would, he said, make clear the USCCB's view that such Catholics should not present themselves for Holy Communion, but would leave decisions on withholding communion up to individual bishops. Quote, there is a growing sense of urgency, said San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione. Abortion is just one among many issues. It's a direct attack on human life, unquote. Three days later, on May 1st, Archbishop Cordiglione published a pastoral letter on the issue. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew. A pastoral letter on the human dignity of the unborn, Holy Communion, and Catholics in public life. He wrote that it is our responsibility to the rest of the Catholic community, quote, to correct Catholics who erroneously and sometimes stubbornly promote abortion. This correction, he added, takes several forms and rightly begins with private conversations between the erring Catholic and his or her parish priest or bishop, but can also take the public form of exclusion from reception of Holy Communion, unquote. Archbishop Cordiglione's statement was especially significant, as his diocese is the home of Nancy Pelosi, one of America's most well-known pro-abortion, quote-unquote, Catholics. The Vatican has not remained indifferent to this confrontation. On May 7th, Cardinal Luis Laderia, Prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, sent a letter to Archbishop Gomez throwing cold water on the initiative. Cardinal Ladaria stated that any new communion policy first requires, quote-unquote, dialogue 
between the bishops and, quote, between bishops and Catholic pro-choice politicians within their jurisdictions, unquote. Even then, the Cardinal wrote, the bishops should see unanimous support for any national policy to avoid its becoming, quote, a source of discord rather than unity within the Episcopate and the larger church in the United States, unquote. On May 26th, a letter to Archbishop Gomez was leaked to The Pillar, a news website. Signed by 67 bishops, it asked him to disallow any discussion or document about communion for pro-abortion politicians, citing a lack of quote-unquote consensus on the question of Eucharistic coherence. Among the signers were Cardinals Gregory, Supich, and O'Malley. One day before the bishops' vote, CRC Research released a poll. It showed that 83% of Catholics who attend Mass regularly believe that Catholic politicians with stated positions contrary to church teaching, quote, create confusion and disunity, unquote. Nearly three-quarters say that these officials should not present themselves for Holy Communion. In addition, 72% of respondents said that the bishops should discuss admission to Holy Communion for these officials, and nearly 90% believe it is important for Catholic bishops to teach and lead others in matters of the faith. The very same day of the bishops' vote, a group of pro-abortion Catholic congressmen signed an open letter, Statement of Principles. The letter was drafted by Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, Democrat of Connecticut, and signed by 59 congressional Democrats, including Ted Lieu, Joaquin Castro, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Quote, We believe the separation of church and state allows for our faith to inform our public duties and best serve our constituents, unquote. Although claiming to, quote, work every day to advance respect for life and the dignity of every human being, unquote. They attacked the, quote, weaponization of the Eucharist to Democratic lawmakers for their support of a woman's safe and legal access to abortion, unquote. They invoked the so-called seamless garment argument that claims that an integral pro-life ethic must include support for illegal immigration and welfare programs. Later that day, a reporter asked Mr. Biden if he thought the bishops might deny him Holy Communion. He said, quote, that's a private matter, and I don't think that's going to happen, unquote. Two days later, he attended Mass and received Holy Communion at St. Joseph's Catholic Church near his Delaware home. The bishops' vote was not the result of a sudden conversion. Many U.S. bishops, such as Cardinals Supich, Tobin, O'Malley, and Gregory, have no problem giving Holy Communion to pro-abortion politicians. Most of them turned a blind eye to the problem. Since the 60s, the policy of the Vatican has been to embrace the spirit of the world and allow individuals to follow their own morals as they see fit and without any consequences. This policy reached its logical conclusion in 2013 when Pope Francis responded with, Who am I to judge? to a question about homosexual priests. Therefore, 
rather than a profound conversion. A more likely cause of the June 18th vote is the enormous pressure from lay Catholics to do something. As weak and insufficient as it was, the significance of the vote is still a major defeat for the Catholic left. It is perhaps the first time since Vatican II that the U.S. bishops, as one body, took a step toward enforcing Catholic faith and morals among Catholics in the public square. It represents a serious defeat of the post-conciliar obsession with quote-unquote dialogue, in which heresy and orthodoxy were allowed to peacefully coexist side by side. Also defeated was the so-called seamless garment metaphor, which denies that abortion is a quote-unquote preeminent issue and instead pushes progressive causes like the Green New Deal, gun control, or amnesty for illegal immigrants. Most significantly, it is a sign of open warfare between two factions in the Catholic Church. On one side is the pseudo-church of the Catholic left rooted in socialism, modernism, and heresy. Never have so many Catholics in public life so defiantly rejected Catholic morality on abortion and the natural family. They are descendants of the French movement Le Sion, which tried to reconcile the social revolution with Catholicism and were condemned by Pope St. Pius X in 1910. From Richard Durbin and Nancy Pelosi to Bishop Robert McElroy and Father James Martin S.J., their spiritual descendants have been a source of scandal for Catholics. Many are open supporters of evil ideologies such as socialism, Marxism, or communism. This pseudo-church is spreading like a cancer inside the mystical body of Christ. On the other side is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, rooted in orthodoxy and the traditional magisterium. This church comprises the millions of faithful, practicing Catholics, clergy and laity, who defend the church's traditional teachings on both faith and morals. These Catholics do not believe that the truth evolves, that the church must adapt to the modern world, or that Catholicism and socialism are compatible. They are also the heart and soul of the pro-life and pro-family movements. Yet they have been forced to watch President Biden receive Holy Communion while at the same time supporting procured abortion. Like previous heresies, members of the Catholic left pseudo-church are interspersed with faithful Catholics in the same visible external structures. But they are locked in an intensifying struggle, with both claiming to be the true church while trying to wipe out the other. The outcome of this battle will determine the fate of the Catholic Church and of Western civilization. This concludes President Biden, Holy Communion, and the Catholic Civil War by James R. Bascom. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. Mr. Bascom's essay has extensive footnotes. Links to the printed articles are provided in the show notes so that interested listeners can find his sources of information. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. 
So by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book which spells out our motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.